This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Hi, it's Claire Kimball here, the founder of The Squiz. This week marks six years of putting out The Squiz Today podcast, and I just wanted to say a huge thank you for listening. If you love what we do, and we hope you do, please tell your friends about us. It's all the birthday present we could ever need. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Friday the 23rd of June. In your Squiz Today... The Titanic sub-search comes to a sad end, a dangerous dingo attack, a new trend for men in romance novels, and a cosy curry. This is your Squiz today. The search for five people inside the missing Titan submersible off North America's east coast has turned up debris from the vessel about 500 metres from the wreck of the Titanic. And Claire, this morning, Rear Admiral John Morgan from the US Coast Guard said it looks like a catastrophic event has occurred that would have killed those on board. Yeah, and those who are presumed dead are the passengers. uh, Brit Hamish Harding, a British Pakistani businessman, Shazada Darwood and his 19-year-old son, Suleiman. Also, the French Titanic expert, Paul-Henri Najalay, and the CEO of Oceangate, which is the operator of that submersible Stockton Rush. Uh, They lost contact with the sub's launch vessel on Sunday, and it's not clear yet exactly what happened. But Admiral Morgan said that the debris found on the seafloor was consistent with the catastrophic loss of pressure in the chamber. What experts say is that failure would have resulted in an explosion and that would have happened four days ago when that sub went missing. And Claire, it's fair to say that it's been a really difficult search. The search area itself is about 22,500 square kilometres and the Titanic wreck sits 3,800 metres underwater. And there's only really a few specialised vessels in the world that operate at that depth. Ocean Gates issued a statement and it says, Our hearts are with these five souls and every member of their families during this tragic time. And Claire, there are a lot of questions now about their operation. Yeah, there sure are. There were court filings that emerged this week that showed that there were concerns raised about Ocean Gate's operations back in 2018. Uh, and some industry experts this week said that the deep sea tourism industry needs to have a bit of a rethink. Uh, one said that bringing passengers to such remote locations and such great depths uh, can really go wrong and that there are very few options to make a recovery. And of course, that's what's played out. But for now, the focus remains on collecting information from that site. As for the families of those on board, Admiral Morgan said, I can only imagine what this has been like for them, and I hope that this discovery provides some solace during this difficult time. There's been a lucky escape for a 10-year-old boy after a dingo attack on Gurry, Claire. We're still getting used to that name. Up until this month, it was known as Fraser Island, and it's off the coast of southeast Queensland. Reports surfaced yesterday about this attack that happened last week. Yeah, so this boy was walking alone along the beach when the dingo launched at him and dragged him into the water. Uh, And the attack only stopped when the boy's 12-year-old sister came to the Mm. rescue. Uh, Dingo 
rangers have a really bad reputation on the island and that's nothing new, but rangers say that things are particularly bad at the moment. Uh, The number of high-risk animals has increased from 5 to 12 in the last 12 months. As you say, Claire, this isn't a first. In 2019, there was a toddler who was dragged from his bed in a camper van by a dingo and he sustained skull injuries over that attack. And with the school holidays coming up, rangers have told parents to take the warnings on the island seriously and keep their kids close. The Australian eSafety Commission has some new powers to crack down on social media platforms that allow the spread of hate speech, and they're putting those powers into action, Claire. Yeah, so the Commission says that a third of the complaints that it's received over the last 12 months are about Twitter. That's up from less than 10% before Elon Musk took over the platform last October. And what the Commission says is that it's down to the reactivation of banned accounts on Twitter, also the company having fewer staff to moderate for harmful content. And it's also possible, they believe, that there's been an algorithm change that amplifies controversial content. Uh, What happens next is that Twitter has 28 days to respond to a legal notice that was issued yesterday. uh, And there are some very steep fines if they don't comply with that. Yeah. And speaking of punishment, Elon Musk and Meta boss Mark Zuckerberg have agreed to fight each other in a cage match, Claire. (laughs) It's not April Fool's Day. (laughs) Reports say the pair have been facing off over Meta's plan to launch a text-based social media network designed to compete with Twitter. Oh, boy. Yes, not much more you can say about that, is there? (laughs) It's no secret that house prices have skyrocketed in recent years and because of that, about two in five first homeowners are relying on their parents to give them financial support to get into the market. And the Australian Housing Monitor has broken down the data on that even further, Claire. Yeah, so it's a national survey on all things housing related and it's found in a new round of research that sons are more likely than daughters to get financial help from parents to buy their first homes. Uh, That was out of a survey of more than 4,200 people. They also found that in the past decade, 47% of men got some cash from their parents uh, or their partner's parents compared to 30% of women. Mm. Uh, And over the past 20 years, daughters have received only about two-thirds of what their brothers might have gotten from their folks. Housing researcher Matt Lloyd-Cape reckons that's all in line with evidence that points to sons also receiving more inheritance from their parents, which means I might be having an interesting conversation with my parents this weekend, Claire. (laughs) (laughs) Very relaxed. A message now from our podcast partner, Sunbeam. With so many unhealthy snacks on offer, it can be hard to find something to keep your kids satisfied and happy. Sunbeam's dried fruit and cheese chilled snacks contain only real fruit and real cheese with no artificial colours or flavours. And they're a great source of calcium. It's a snack you can feel good about giving them while you're on the go. Pick up a pack today in the dairy fridge at your local Woolworths, Coles or independent retailer. Squizzes can't see me today and that's probably a good thing because I cannot keep a straight face over this one. (laughs) 
Publishing insiders say there's a growing number of romance novel readers who are looking for a different type of leading man. So once upon a time, there were muscle-bound macho hunks like Fabio gracing the covers of romance (laughs) novels. I'm not really been into romance novels, Alice. I'm <laughs> sure that really astounds I'm you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, but now readers are calling for a very different type of leading man. Uh, publishers are saying that they're getting more and more requests for fictional love interests that are, uh, and these are quotes, squishy-centred men cinnamon roll heroes and golden retrievers, um, assuming that's a type of man rather than a puppy dog. Um, Apparently the answer to the curly question of what women want, uh, and this is another quote, we want a warm, floppy energy and a positive attitude. (laughs) Yeah, whatever that means, Claire. (laughs) Publishers say this trend is down to a new generation of readers and their shifting definitions of masculinity. And Fabio himself has been approached for comment on this. For those who aren't familiar, I wasn't familiar myself, Fabio was on the covers of more than 1,300 romance novels in the 90s. And it's fair to say he's pretty offended over this new trend. He's called it hogwash. (laughs) (laughs) Claire, Friday lights today. I reckon a curry's in order this weekend after a pretty chilly week. Yeah, it certainly has been cold where you are, Alice, and and Mm -hmm. where I am as well. But even if it's not been cold where you are, there's nothing wrong with a good curry on a June weekend, I think. Uh, I've really got a hankering for some Massaman curry. There's a couple of recipes and I'm undecided which one I'm going for. One is a quick and easy lamb shank Massaman. Basically, you just take a a paste that's pre-made or there's a more involved beef one that I've made before as well that I really liked, but you really have to get all the ingredients together, make your own paste and go for it, which is great if you're feeling motivated on a Saturday afternoon. I'll see how I'm feeling. Delicious. Two recipes this week, Claire. I'll pop the links to them in the episode notes today. And that just about wraps us up for today, but you'll be back with Kate tomorrow for Saturday Squiz, Claire. There's a good bit of news to catch up on this week, as per usual. Yeah, there sure has been a bit of news again this week. And also one of the things that Kate and I do is to help you get ready for next week. Uh, we do a good recce on what's mm-hmm. coming up. So just think of it as your weekend chat with an informed friend. That's certainly what Kate and I do every Saturday. <laughs> Thank you for listening today. Have a great Friday and we'll be back with you again on Monday. G'day, Kate Watson here. I'm the host of Weekly Wrap and News Club, a place for conversations about the news. It's budget week, so I'm here to tell you about our News Club episode from last week where Claire chatted with James Chessel. He's the former Managing Director of Publishing at Nine Entertainment. He was also a staffer earlier in his career, so they have a good chat about how the budget sausage is made. Here's a small snippet. The most important policy or set of policies the government will announce every year. So it's important that it's not um, announced willy-nilly, although Mm. they do leak (laughs) a a, a fair amount of it. And there is a famous time when when, um, Laurie Oakes, the nine journalist, got his hand on the budget papers the day before the budget and was able to print. such an incredible story. Was able to print a lot of it, um, which was, you know, absolutely amazing. Um, (laughs) But the other thing is... 
a lot of what the treasurer will announce has the ability to move markets, yeah. um, direct impact on on businesses and and other organisations. So you know there does need to be some rigour and uh, confidence that it will be handled handled in an appropriate appropriate way. For more on that chat, just search for News Club in your podcast app or follow the link in your episode notes.